Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. Today you're joined by Tiana, Nathan and Eugene. Welcome boys, welcome. Thanks, thanks for having us. Now you guys may have heard a familiar voice in the show, um, Eugene is back, you're Hello. back. Couldn't get enough. By popular demand. <laughs> <laughs> But they're back, back for a different reason. Um, he's, he's not just a hustler for, for the nightlife, but you've also got another business as well. And so do you, Nathan. The business of feet. Uh, so that's what <laughs> 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 I actually got, I got added to a group chat that was called Foot Fetishes. <laughs> bit of, bit of feet, background yeah, there. Feet fetish only. And yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's actually a lucrative business, feet. You know, that's why it's very popular. All about the feet. Very popular category on, on OnlyFans, and um, I think I think we're going to learn a lot today from you guys. Um, so let's let's have a bit of an intro first. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your business is all about. So my name is Nathan. I'm the co-founder of Pear. Um, we started selling socks three years ago, and they are the most comfortable socks in the world. We use material science and sustainable materials to create. Yeah, it's a brand new material that you can't really find anywhere else on the market. And we've been selling socks for a year and two. Now we expanded into underwear, socks. Sorry, I just said socks. <laughs> underwear, t-shirts, and hoodies, sweaters, and yeah, all kinds of apparels that has some problems to be solved. And yeah, you know, the business is doing pretty well. Um, this year we're doing six million in revenue and selling over 50,000 pairs of socks. A lot of feet. A mm. lot of feet getting saved from <laughs> stench. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, the best thing about our socks, I guess one thing will come up later, is that they don't smell mm. at all. So you can pretty much wear our socks for three days to seven days straight without smelling, uh, unless you are a very special person. I reckon I go 10 days. Yeah, I was going to say, how many days are you on? Because you didn't travel. 10? Yeah, and then you flip it inside out, you get 20. Yeah, if you switch it from left to right, have you guys? 40. It's a have hack. You, have you guys hack. heard of girl math? <laughs> I have heard about girl math, yes. Get this, all right. So a handbag costs $10,000, all right. But but I'm not going to throw this handbag away for 30 years, right? So if you think about it, a handbag is only $300 a year. Oh. Right? But but in during that year, it's 365 days. I might maybe possibly think about taking it, you know, every day. Oh my God, the handbag's less than a dollar. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, it's quick maths, and it's also Got girl it. maths. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, oh, the handbag okay. is very cheap. We can apply the same to your socks. That's true. It that's would very appear. true. If yeah. that's the case, our socks are very, very cheap. Yeah, you, very cheap. Because if you can wear, the, wear them for a week, yeah. and you know, wash them once a week, you can wear them for years, much longer than regular cotton socks. Yeah. Yeah, it will last you for longer. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of um, socks, speaking of feet, speaking of comfort. <laughs> I'm trying to find the segue, but you know it's all about feet here. So, speaking of feet, Eugene, take it away. Sneaker laundry. Comfort feet socks. Nice. Yeah. Welcome to sneaker to, laundry. To <laughs> you know that meme where it's like um, that lady, and then it's like the Pythagoras theorem and stuff like that. That's a theory. <laughs> that's me. Like I'm like, oh fuck, Bit early in the morning, guys. Uh, but you didn't take it away. Tell us about the sneaker laundry. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm Eugene and. Very nice to meet you. Thanks nice for having you me. Yeah. You know, welcome on the show. I have a business called The Sneaker Laundry. So it's not just nightlife, like you said. Um, you know, I felt like maybe we should do something a bit less degenerate as well in the daytime, keep myself occupied as well. 
Um, and so six years ago, we started, I started what we call the sneaker laundry, which was Australia's first sneaker care shop. Um, and over the six years, we changed from being Australia's first sneaker care shop to just being Australia's sneaker care shop. Um, you know, we've done over 100,000 sneaker care products, you know, to 40 something countries. Uh, I think in Australia alone, we've cleaned about 30 something thousand pairs of shoes at the moment. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. We have shops in uh, Lebanon, uh, Doha, Riyadh, Peru. So, you know, you want one in Melbourne, one in Sydney. A second Sydney location is coming up too in the next month. So, yeah, I think we, I would say that, you know, we've done, we're pretty happy with where the business has been and it's going. Um, and yeah, it's just like, like, like we're seeing that sort of industry that we started start to grow and more people enter the space, which is really, really exciting for us. Yeah, because yeah, before it was just us for a long time. It's quite lonely. Yeah. yeah. Need a bit of competition to, you know, spice you do. up a bit. Yeah. Keep you guys on your feet. Well, it's just like no one cleaned shoes before we came along. Like the idea of cleaning shoes just like was non-existent. Then we come along and we're just championing this message to everyone going like, oh, clean your shoes, clean your shoes, clean your shoes. And it's just a lonely journey of one person just saying, clean your shoes. When, mate, come on board, have like 10 other people come on board and tell everyone to clean their shoes. Great, because then our products are amazing and they'll probably buy our products instead. So, so does that mean before sneaker laundry, no one cleans their shoes? No, nah, I mean, you hear stories of like toothpaste and a toothbrush or like oh bicarb soda and bleach, but like it's all like horror stories, you know, like, Unbelievable. you know, and then people that like lob shoes in a washing machine and then, and then goes awry and like things come off and shrinks half a size when they put it in a dryer. It's all these like train wreck stories of, you know, <laughs> or like the simple, the most common stories. I just wear my shoes till they get a bit dirty and I buy new ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so before us, nah, nothing. And then, um, boom, we became Australia's sneaker care shop over the six, six and a half years. Um, and just slowly expanding, slowly expanding, you know. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Worldwide, people watch out. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay, so it's very interesting to hear um, about what, what your business looks like at the moment. But I think a lot of the time when we listen to business podcasts, I don't know if you guys like are avid listen, listeners of any, but I think a lot of the time people talk about pivotal moments um, and there is a big focus or emphasis in particular on um, the moment where you you kind of solved a, bit, a market need or you solved a customer need, right? And I, I know that's definitely really important and we'll, we'll head into that. But I think another pivotal po- moment actually dates back further. Um, I want to learn about you guys in particular. Let's go back to your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Let's unpack that because I do think there, there, there are common threads or themes between entrepreneurs or people that have side hustles or people that have businesses or people that want to make something and own something themselves I think that dates back to a lot earlier so tell me about like what it was like to grow up um and yeah a bit about bit about your background bit about your childhood what was what was young Nathan and Eugene like? I'm actually quite interested. <laughs> Mate, if you wanted to take me back to my childhood, you got to bring up the feather duster. <laughs> yeah, you know, like feather the, duster. the feather duster. Yeah, not the soft end, the the stick end, the cane, <laughs> the, cane, the, cane, the cane side of the feather duster. That's all you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Bit, of, bit of juicy discipline. Yeah. Hey, so how you grew up? Oh yeah, I grew up extremely disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> daily, daily discipline. <laughs> um, oh, well, I guess I, I guess I'll start then, like, um yeah, like, I mean, it was like, I grew up in Singapore, so I was in Singapore until I was 12. Um, and it was just like, Singapore's a very high achieving, like, 
you know, real brutal place. Like the amount of homework you get through as a kid and then that's not enough because you get tutoring like three, four times a week, right? And then even when you're doing sports, like you're supposed to be just this like wizard sport. So you ha- you see like friends that are trying to excel and even like playing the piano or the violin and you see friends that are like playing golf and we're trying to excel and beat each other. It's super competitive. Like can't imagine like eight, 10 year old kids just competing. Like in primary school, we got segregated by our grades. So like, like you know how you have like 10 classes in the primary school, for example, they did like, they named it like, you know, it was a Christian school, Presbyterian school. So they named it, but everyone knew that the, the class that started with letter A was the top class. Mm. And then the class that started with letter B was a bit, the second class and it kept going down. What class are you in? Uh, fortunately, I was in the first class. Um, but like the risk of falling into a second class was what something like your parents would hang over your head and be like, look at him. He went to the second class, right? Like, yeah. like you know, you better not go to second class, right? You know, like, you know, and, and it was crazy because like um, they, w- they would literally rank you within your class. Mm. Like it was crazy. Like, yeah. And, and the difference between like three three marks, like 97 and 100 was like 20 spots. Mm. So like, you know, if, if, you, if you dropped it, then I don't know, maybe you bring shame in your parents when they go for high tea and they might be like, ha, my kid's on rank two and your kid's on rank 20 and whatever yeah it's ridiculous and then you can imagine the kids in like the very last class how they would feel yeah so it was okay it was but, but i'm actually that's actually so interesting is it like when you're in the playground like do was it was it this toxic culture where you wouldn't hang out with the kids in the lower well it's, yeah i mean the, the schools created that because yeah. like you're like in in that class and hanging out with so it's a very elitist class yeah, for okay. example and you're all talking about where you dropped your two marks on from 98 to 100 <laughs> like it's not like oh great let's celebrate the moment like, we got a 98 let's go out for a celebration yeah it's like suck shit you got you dropped the two marks where'd you drop the two marks we'd go home and tell our parents and they'd be like where the two marks go like oh. it's not even like a, oh 98 that's so awesome right like you know and then you come to come to melbourne and they're like wow you got like 81 that's a high distinction that's so fantastic i was yeah. like where'd the 19 go right like <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you have culture shock then when you moved to to australia like oh man like i i went from like having homework to do all afternoon and tutoring to like to finishing like the entire week's homework in like a singular class and I would go home and just turn on the TV and mum would be like, where's your homework? I'm like, finish it all. You know, she'd send me a tutoring. I'd have nothing. It's so chill. Um, she got so pissed off. She, like, no, I'm not even joking. She got so mad, right? She went to, she went to my high school. I went to Vermont Secondary College. She went to the principal and said, like, you need to, you need to make my kid go to year eight. She'd already go to all the teachers and said, like, give him more homework. I yeah. still finished it. Yeah. And, like, and the teachers literally said, I've given him the entire's worth the entire year's worth of extra homework that I have. And it's been like week two or week three. And mum's like, he's getting stupid. You guys are making him dumb. Like <laughs> she, she marched into the principal's office and it dragged me with her and was like, you put my kid up to year eight now. Like, you know, and he's like, nah, but they're all integrated already. They've all made friends and, and he's going to be a year younger. And she's like, you don't put him up. I'm going to take him to another school that will. He's getting stupid in your school. Da, 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 da. Next morning I go to school. Teacher's like, you're not in this class anymore, man. You're in year, oh, eight. Wow. You're in year eight now. So then I skipped a year just because, like, mum was like, you're getting dumb. So I, I skipped a year and then that, that, that was basically the story of my life. And even then she thought I was still getting dumb. So then she sent me off to Melbourne High School after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're, you're, uh, you're Melbourne High. Okay. But does, that, does that explain a lot, does it? Yeah, I'm always like, oh, you're Melbourne High. I get it, yeah. <laughs> I think, to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this. Ah, oh, it's gone. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> Melbourne High. No, no judgment if you're listening and you're from Melbourne High. I've got heaps of friends, you know. You look like you have an ex-boyfriend from Melbourne High. Is that, fa- <laughs> <laughs> Is that the face? <laughs> they all have common, common, common things. Looks like um, you have a couple of ex-boyfriends from Melbourne High. <laughs> uh, no, maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does, it does make sense. Got him. <laughs> Do you know about Melbourne High? I mean, I know some friends from Melbourne High. <laughs> yeah, don't you think that there's common common themes? Yeah, common, definitely, definitely. Common traits. I, w- I couldn't tell you, Jean, was from. Yeah, Melbourne I couldn't hack personally. it. I dropped that in year eleven. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, does that? Am I? Have I redeemed myself now? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank Wait, you, you dropped. Why did you drop out? Um. Oh, it's just rebellious. The, the Eugene was rebellious. Yeah, yeah, it was a real. I mean, he seemed too rebellious for Melbourne okay, High. Okay. That's what I felt. Wait. Okay. So. Okay. So. <laughs> You were in you're in Singapore. I'm I'm just put pa- painting the picture. In Singapore. Yeah. High achieving culture, very competitive. It kind of fosters this mentality where I guess you're constantly trying to prove yourself and prove to your parents that you're worth it, right? Um so a lot of like external validation. Then you move to Australia and your mum is pushing for you to keep having that high achieving mentality. So it's not like you kind of drop back down. Yeah. I guess that in itself does foster like a bit of rebellion like you right is that is that what it was or i no? think the rebellion comes from actually you know it's actually resolved um the rebellion comes from getting smacked right yeah it's it's, it's a lot of studies into this right so so that what getting smacked and even with pets and everything teaches you is not to not do the thing mm. but to not get caught so it's a really funny thing so like for example if a dog likes to reach onto a counter mm. and every time he does it you're there to say no, stop, or you, or you smack him, or you whatever, right? He knows he he won't do it. He won't do it when you're around. Yeah. You put you put a you put a cam up, and and when you're gone, watch what he does. Mm. You're gonna do it. Like it's it's actually been proven that beating a kid or smacking a kid only teaches him or her to not get caught. So it creates this whole rebellious thing that I that that I think in my entire like primary school, high school, ended up literally having a default like if you told me don't do something i'd be like how can i wow how can i do it and not get caught <clears throat> and and like it it just sort of <laughs> made you walk a bit wonky for a bit yeah you know so it was yeah it was, it was a it was a very curious way to approach life i'm oh, okay <laughs> were you <laughs> were you as rebellious as eugene nathan like what was your upbringing like uh there are similarities but also i think i guess we had different approaches to what happened so yeah um it's a bit hard to say was i rebellious but you know i'll let you (laughs) judge that so i was born in australia in sydney and i grew up in sydney until i was seven so i did one year in sydney grammar before my whole family decided to go and work in china so my family background is from hong kong and taiwan and my parents decided to go and do business in china when i was seven and they brought me with them so I had to go into a local school in mainland China. Mm. Um, and obviously they had super different culture. Um, Wait, how old were you, sorry? I was seven at the time. Seven. And that was 1995. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, are we doing the math? <laughs> uh, so how do I put this? I was born in Australia, raised here. It was a free and happy life, I would say. <laughs> Everything's good and happy. They were coming, the, sh- the shipping containers were coming from China to Australia. Yeah, and yeah. Nathan was the only one going the other and way. I was going... <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it still sounds strange to me because, you know, 
even today we see so many Asian or Chinese or you know people from Hong Kong and Taiwan just coming over to Australia trying to migrate here. Mm. But my parents decided to go the other way. Reverse Uno. Reverse just yeah. to you know because they saw the opportunity, they saw the business opportunity. This dude's in China. Everyone's like, look at his farm. <laughs> yeah. Look at, look at his farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, I went back to China and they didn't just put me in a normal school. Okay. They put me in a military boarding school mm. of China. Okay. So we had teachers who were ex military oh. soldiers strict really really strict really really disciplined like we had military training every day morning and night what does that involve uh, what does military training you know, like you know push-ups marching marching standing okay. you know okay. doing those boring stuff yeah. in the sun or in the rain in the cold mm. you just do everything it's quite tormenting i mean i did mine for two years and it was like, like was it compulsory for you yeah sorry yeah. yeah it was compulsory yeah. wait so you came over when you're 12 so you had to do it at that young age as well yeah so after so after year 12 i went back to singapore right okay. to, to do my two years there oh. yeah yeah oh. i did, I did so it, it for, like, yeah and i did it for six years yeah in primary school yeah this is this real trauma bonding yeah yeah it's very <laughs> traumatizing <laughs> as you can imagine yeah. and, and how did that make you feel oh <laughs> uh, i couldn't cope like i couldn't really understand what's happening i couldn't really i couldn't even understand what they're, they're talking because my chinese weren't good at the time mm. i arrived so i had to speed up my studying and so i had to caught up I, I had to learn the whole language in like three to six months mm. at, at a year you know <laughs> at, at grade one yeah so I bit just, hard <laughs> yeah so you know I, Duolingo I, wasn't about around at Duolingo that time was, was, was not so I had a lot of private tutoring um, but yeah I did I did caught up over a ho- over my first holiday and you know the, my second semester there was a lot better mm. in terms of language but culturally I just couldn't understand <laughs> anything pretty much and yeah, it was very traumatizing because I, I don't fit in. Um, the school was very harsh. Um, all the other kids were like laughing at me. They call me foreigner because. What's the what's the word? You know how like I mean I guess you said it before fob, but what is there is there an equivalent in? Oh, they just call you foreigner because they were like right. primary school kids. They yeah, just call okay. you like foreigner. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally foreigner. Literally, and that was my nickname for a few years. Yeah. And, you know, and that, and of course, you know, there's a military school. There's, of course, there's spanking involved. But mm. I guess I learned so many other ways to punish kids in that school. Um, that's, you know, not physical. Hey, man, give me the best one. Uh, Wait, you learned how to punish people? No, I just, I just <laughs> observed. I just obser- observed and learned. Take notes. <laughs> oh, give me the best yeah, one. Yeah, I probably wouldn't pass it on. But, you know, there's a lot of mental stuff there. Uh, um, mental abuse. Mental yeah. abuse, things to make you feel bad and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was there for six years. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> it was like hell mm. looking back at it. Um, yeah, and then I came back to Australia. <laughs> so did you come back with your family or just yourself? Just myself. Okay. So I came back by myself because um, I couldn't participate in some sort of national exam there. So I couldn't go to senior high. Mm. So I had to just leave China earlier and came back and live with my family here. Mm-hmm. So I have my grandma, my uncles, like everyone else is here. Just my mm. parents went over, which was so strange. Yeah. Yeah, I came back and it's, yeah, I couldn't, and then I couldn't get used to the Australian schools mm. um, because I was That's so a used. lot of culture shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a lot of culture shock back and forth. It's, it almost feels like I just got used to the Chinese way and Chinese mm. military way because I later learned that that's not even the normal Chinese way. Right. It's a Chinese military, <laughs> strict discipline, <laughs> cruel yeah. uh, way of growing up. 
and then I came back to Australia, which is the complete opposite. And I remember going to school and I was bowing to teachers on the hallway. <laughs> and, the, and the teacher bowed back to me. <laughs> and I also later learned that in normal Chinese schools, they don't even do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a very strict school thing. Um, but yeah, I was a lot happier back here. But I guess what I learned was just my adaptability mm. to the world. Yeah. I, gotta, I gotta know, what, what, like seriously, what, 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 what cruel shit. I mean, can we deep dive? Give me, give me some juicy shit, man. Uh, well, I guess physical abuse was very common. Mm. Fuck, like the teachers. Teachers. Actually, no, hang on, my, I, yeah, no, we got us. You know, ours was pretty bad too. We got like public, public spanking and shit. Public. Oh, what? I yeah. guess public physical abuse was common. Uh, shaming was very common, mm. um, and it just happened on a daily basis. And we have a lot of r- rules because because it's a boarding school, mm. so it's twenty four hours. There's no going back home. Yeah. And at nighttime, they will, they will assign a senior student to live in every dorm room and to monitor all the junior kids. And imagine a grade four looking after grade threes. They learn how to abuse their power from their teachers. Mm. So they're not nice. Yeah. They yeah. were like, I'm the king of this dorm now. Mm. You guys all have to listen to me. And they would just boss people around and physical abuse the kids as well, just because they're one year older. Did and you? Did you? Do you think you brought any? Like, did any of that rub off on you? Do you feel? <laughs> I guess How do you I. Treat your employees? <laughs> I'm. I. I hope I'm very nice to them. I would, I am. Well, you, I'm well, confident to say I'm very nice to them. You either conform team. or you go against, right? Like yeah. What you. What I learned the most was just to. how to survive. Really. Yeah. I just learned how to survive how to get off the hook how to not be punished like what eugene said you just learn how to not do shit in front of them and mm. yeah it was it was crazy scary <laughs> man you know in primary school I, I still remember this is so funny they 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 were tackling in singapore they, they were tackling obesity in kids mm. um and so they rolled out a, a program called the tough club the T T A F. they call it trim trim and fit club right <laughs> but you really only went there if if you were deemed to be fat. Oh. So, I mean, you're primary school kids. You, you know, Taf is fat backwards. Mm. Like, you're, <laughs> like, we all knew that. And then Ashi and I, like, like, it was the saddest thing because you'd have friends that were like, not fat, they were just like bigger built, yeah. right? But because they put you on a weighing scale and it wasn't on a chart that you look fat and then they put oh. you in this tough club. Um, during a recess, which was only like half an hour, they would make you run for like 20, 25 minutes of it. Oh my goodness. Um, just so that, well, just so, supposedly so you get fit, but really so you don't have time to eat. It's so ass, it's so ass because, yeah. like, you feel so bad for us. Singapore, yeah, it's all like 37 degrees here. It's private yeah. school kids, like, like every other kid's eating and having fun in, in, in their recess or lunchtime. And, and you have this, like, the tough club has to assemble. It's like, you know, like, like you know, oh, <laughs> that is actually so cruel. Like the Avengers assembly, you know, on the, on the soccer field and just doing laps oh. the whole lunchtime. Oh, you're like, eating your sandwich. It was bad, oh. dude. Like, if that was a shame, I don't know what it is, right? And then we had like the, the morning assemblies where, like, if someone did something super naughty, mm. they would, like, go up on stage and be like, you know, Nathan was being super naughty today. And then they just fucking. They flocked you. They flocked you, like, in front of the whole school. Just so, like, you know, you all know not to do it. Yeah. Do you think yeah. like, because I think both of you have had um, quite 
interesting upbringing. <laughs> Very intense. <laughs> what about you? What, 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 like, we've both shared our trauma here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what was your have trauma? You, oh, mine, <laughs> have you I feel like mine is so, like, basic compared to you guys. Uh, like, do you actually want to know? Of course. Yeah, like, of course. Have you got past every podcast and not had to tell anyone yours? Um, oh, I see. Just no, just... I, no, I, I tell my POV. If yeah. you're craving a sweet treat or refreshing dessert, our longtime friends at Scoopy, Melbourne's favourite bingsu joint, are offering you lovely listeners a delicious 15% off your order when you use the code UA15. You can use this when you buy takeaway or in person at their Melbourne CBD and Gwen Waverley stores. The offer is subject to change, so be sure to tune into our episodes weekly for the fresh deal. Thanks so much, Scoopy. We appreciate y'all. So, did you get spanked? <laughs> No. Uh, what a dream run. What a dream run. If you have did to think, I? if you have to, if you have but, to think okay, that it didn't fair, happen. I've, I've, I've always been a very good kid, I feel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, look, I don't mean to brag, but I feel like I've always been like, like that because um, I'm the eldest and it's just like I've always been the... I think my parents weren't very hard on me. I was more hard on myself. So I'm, I've always been a high achiever, but it's never been a product of, of how they parent me. It's more so... They, they kind of just trusted that I like I can get my shit done. It was always me wanting to excel or me wanting to do well and do better. Do you think the, the concept of like good kid, bad kid in Asian culture is so... Well, I, I think it's so fucked up, right? Because mm. like, like I love it because like someone, someone... I used to think that like people used to be like, oh, why'd you get beat so much? I was, Man, I was a bad kid. I was like, honestly, a bad kid. Mm. And then they asked, <clears throat> what makes a bad kid? I go, well, fuck, yeah. Like, what makes a bad kid, right? Like, <clears throat> what makes a bad kid in this family mm. might not make a bad kid in another family. Exactly. Like, mate, if I, if I was, like, 10 years old, I'd say, man, I want to study arts and history, I would have been a bad kid. Mm. Right? Like, that's true. Like, no, I, no, I think that's interesting because it's kind of like the concept of, not even bad kid, but more so, like, you're a bad Asian. Yeah. Like, you're a bad Asian <laughs> if, you don't yeah. con- if you don't conform, if you're not obedient. Like, there's a lot of different things that, I guess, in an Asian household, um, and also, especially, like living in asia like a lot of things that they bring over to the western side and the western mm. way of thinking it's quite different so it does depend on your parents if they like are conforming to that or if they're assimilating a bit more to i guess the western ways of thinking my parents i think i feel like there's a bit of a balance because like my my dad can still be a bit more old school a bit more you know in that sense um but as a whole i think they were a bit more adaptable to the western ways of thinking it sounds like your parents were a bit <laughs> definitely well, more she, traditional huh my mum's remarried to a, to an aussie now yeah. so she i think she's she's definitely okay. been yeah. more aussie yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah a little bit more aussie yeah yeah my yeah. parents are actually all right like they just sent me to that school which was abusive <laughs> <laughs> i mean but there was a choice nathan like yes. hey, they, they, out- they chose the school yes <laughs> they outsourced <laughs> they outsourced <laughs> the spanking <laughs> chinese <laughs> strategy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and you know i got disciplined there <laughs> but within my family like my parents didn't really so when it came to picking then your i guess your degree or, or whatnot what are you going to do after after school were your parents supportive like let's just say hypoth- like we hypothetically you picked joining the circus you know, oh like, <laughs> wow. I'm just trying to think of like really unthinkable, <laughs> unthinkable of an Asian family. Yeah, or like you know something really non-traditional. Yeah, I had your that. Parents, do you think your parents would? Yeah, I, I had this experience. Um, so yeah. I actually wanted to 
study. <laughs> well, almost, but not <laughs> <laughs> close. I wanted to study philosophy okay. at Melbourne Uni. Yeah. And it was a hard no. Yeah, okay. So, and I felt like my parents has always been somehow supportive throughout my life. They, they've always been telling me like, oh, you got to just do what, whatever you like. Mm. And I said, how about philosophy? They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that as well. Like, every step of the way, they're like, oh, you know, we're so happy for you to do whatever you want to do. Like, as long as you like, you know, be the best version, of whatever, you know. And then I was like, well, I don't want to go to Melbourne High. They're like, no, you're going. Yeah. You know, like, or like, you know, like, when I came to uni, I was like, it was really funny because you just got bribed. I just got bribed all the time. I was, I was you know, I think if I was le- left to my own devices, I, I would have been an, an academic dropkick. Mm. Um, but they kept bribing me. They were like, you know, two thousand dollars if you <laughs> if you get above ninety eight on so your. So you've always been motivated by money, you dude. Uh, oh fuck! It's it would appear so. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though it was too far, they would like you know obviously pit me against my sister, and my sister was you know generally the smarter one of the. Yeah. Of the Were lot. you competitive with your sister then? Look, I tried. Yeah, um, okay. But it was really just the grades to be competitive on. So she was like you know she, she was a smart cookie. She's a doctor now. She's a smart cookie, and and then mum um, would be like, oh you won't beat her, <clears throat> you know you won't beat her. There's no way you'll beat her, you know two thousand dollars or whatever three thousand dollars if you beat her, you know like. And I'm like, yeah, it's on. And I flipped <laughs> over from being the biggest academic dropkick, dropping out of my own high in year 11 to just studying yeah. every single day on my own accord. Just like, watch me. Just like, <laughs> watch me, right? And I, I came close. I didn't get it, but like, came close. And after that, when I got my answer score, she's like, well, what course are you going to do? Mm. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Like, you're 18 or I was 17 and you're asking someone to pick a course that will like set the route for their exactly. life. It's, it's humongous, yeah. right? If you pick pharmacy... Mate, you're a pharmacist. Yeah. Right? Like, you ain't going nowhere else. Like, if mm. you pick nursing, like, you're a nurse. <laughs> like, you know, That's, like, like, it is, like. It is a, it is a, <laughs> <laughs> That's huge, man. It like, it's a huge. Gives you a book like this thing, like, choose your course, yeah? Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's right. It's like, uh, how the hell at that age are you meant to determine what you want to do for the rest of your life? It just does not make sense. So. I never felt that way, though. Like, you did it? Because uh, a lot of, I guess, older people that I saw in my life growing up, they, they're not really doing what they learned in uni. Right. Yeah, but they, so for example, if you studied philosophy, you were a philosopher. Because oh, I, I guess that's what I thought. Like I, I thought whatever I study in uni doesn't really matter yeah. because I probably, I'll probably end up doing something else. And that's what I saw in a lot of people anyway. At least half the people I know, they didn't really do what they studied in uni. So I thought I'll just study whatever I'm interested in in uni. Yeah. And I'll just do whatever else I find more interesting later on. But I guess it was a big no. But still, you know, so later on, I, we had a long negotiation between me and my family of what I'm going to study. And we kind of found a balance between, uh, I guess, commercial value and artistic <laughs> freedom. And I did movies. So I studied film studies. Oh, nice. And look at what I'm doing now. I'm selling socks. It doesn't yeah. matter what I studied in uni. Okay. Like, yeah, just life just takes you in funny places, right? I think that like... I think for me, like what I learned from like whole deal is like just to not pigeonhole yourself. Like don't like, you know, if you pick a degree that's going to pigeonhole yourself, you're going to, you're going to literally waste five, six years before you realize it, whether it's something you like or you don't like. I think if you kept it broad and you kept it, kept, did, did a degree that was very open and broad that <coughs> leads you to anything, mm. you know, then, then really that gives you all the time in the world to then like go down separate pathways that you might hopefully one day find something that you like doing. Yeah. I, and yeah. I feel like I might be a better manager now if I study philosophy. Mm. Like, it's a bit too late, brother. A bit too late. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Like, 
So Nathan could have made he could have made he could have made another rock. You know, could have made another story. <laughs> could have discovered something different. You know. Well, but you know, education probably is always a big topic in any Asian family. Like mm. I ca- I catch up with my Asian family every year, and you know, my siblings, my my parents, and stuff. One question I still get asked every year is, when are you going back to school and do an MBA? Right. And I still get that pressure now, <laughs> today. <laughs> not when you're getting married. Uh, no, actually not. <laughs> Surprisingly not. <laughs> no, it's, it's all about education first. <laughs> MBA and then doctor will be the next question. Yeah. When I get what, do you get those questions? Uh, I, d- I don't go to these family things as much <laughs> anymore. Yeah, Good on you. Because, it, yeah. <laughs> because Good on you. Nah, nah, it's just everyone, all my family's in Singapore. So okay. I, like my mum and my mom and dad have big families, like eight uncles and aunties on each side. Mm. So then, you know, tons of cousins or whatever. And no one's really made the move to Melbourne. Right. Maybe I have one cousin in Melbourne. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. So like everyone else is still in. Um, so your parents are in Singapore? No. So my, d- my dad is freely roaming the world. Right. Um, my mum is in Melbourne. Okay. But all our f- the rest of my family, like the extended family and everything, it's all in, in, in Singapore. We only ever really go back for Chinese New Year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I guess that they have that one day to ask as many questions as they want. Mm. That's about it for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's always like, you know, house life, house whatever. Yeah, yeah my, sister's a, my sister's a doctor, so that, that's like, that's a star of the... Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, you know, the high achiever of the family household. Yeah. And then everything else is a bonus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you do pretty well. A couple stores, around, just a couple around the world. I mean, ultimately, like, when people ask me, I find it's quite funny. They always say, what do you do? I say, I just clean shoes. Like, I just, I love, I just, I just tell them I clean shoes, man. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's just hard to explain to them. Like, yeah. oh, I started a business or whatever. So, you just, like, you know, in Chinese, you're like, what, what, what's this here? You know, like, you just tell them, like, I just, literally, translation, I, I clean shoes. Yeah. And then and it's Do they give you a bit of a weird look? Uh, I mean, they just, they, it's funny because they'll try to give you the, oh, <laughs> you know, like, whatever makes you happy yeah you, you know like 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 you know oh, i see, I see. <laughs> yeah. you know like that's good i'm like yeah. thanks it's like real like it's it, it's a real like it can be if you want that convo to drop right dead you just you tell them that but it's funny yeah. because anyone else in australia if you tell them you clean shoes they're, they're super intrigued and they'll be like oh really like what do you mean you clean shoes like sneakers like what are you like you know like is that a thing you know like mm. in, in 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 asia it's like oh Okay, so you failed. I see. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, see I see you've become quite the failure. You know, like, <laughs> You're the black sheep of the family. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like anything, anything in the world, and you, and you clean shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 but here, it's just, everyone's just intrigued. Like sneakers, really? Like yeah. that's sick. You know, like, like expensive? Like how many do you clean? Like they just have a ton of questions. Like everyone, whether the Uber driver that sees, you know, the sweater or anything, they always just, oh, fuck. They always go ham. They always ask like a ton of questions. Yeah. Yeah. How does the Uber drive? Sorry. Yeah. How does the do they do they turn around and like, oh, nice, nice shirt. No, normally like from taking an Uber to like in Sydney, like we kept taking Ubers between sneaker laundries, like you know, okay. and go, oh, the sneaker laundry, like you know, what's that? You know, like oh, clean shoes, like oh, shit, you from the sneaker laundry? Yeah. And actually, we've had a lot of press, like luckily, like like a press guy's wonderful. Um, so a lot of people do just go like, oh, you're that guy, you know, like and then put two and two Asian at the top sneaker laundry they're like oh you're that guy on TV and you know like or whatever and so we get really lucky there's you a lot of brand recognized. awareness yeah yeah unfortunately shout out to your PR guy yeah shout out to PR shout out to Drew man. <laughs> thanks Drew yeah. <laughs> yeah. alright we'll, we'll take we'll take it back Drew sorry we'll take it back to uh, to what we're meant to be talking about but that's really interesting to hear about like I guess for, for both of you it does seem like something that's really I guess a key ingredient to why you guys have veered off to the, the entrepreneurial path is you wanted to write your own story or create your own narrative. It seems like, because 
it's it's interesting because I think when we we're talking about that good Asian bad Asian thing before, I'm speaking very generally here, but I think you get to a certain age where you're like you don't give a shit. But I feel like I can really sense that from both of you that you you actually don't really have a lot of emphasis on the external. I guess external factors of what success is. You you kind of look within. Would you say that's? Accurate? I I feel like that will come naturally when you have families that give you super high pressure, and at a point you just can't give a fuck. Yeah. Otherwise, you will just die internally if you care so much about that, right? I don't know. It sounds the same. <laughs> I think someone I, uh, the most the 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 most stark realization was when I think it was uh, a, a book that said, you know, one day you know, it, it was, fuck, it was almost like it was talking to me. Like one day your parents will not be around. One day the people that you live your life for will not be around. And then they, it, the next question was, who who will you live your life for then? And then it really put you in a perspective where like, where like growing up, you were like, oh, I'm going to study law for my parents. I'm going to do this for my parents. I'm going to do that. And then cool. If I had continued on that journey and the second my parents would cease to exist, then I would be like, what what is my life and mm. and that that is often uh, a lot of ways a midlife crisis comes about is a little existential crisis yeah. because you're setting yourself up for one and for me that was like also the same reason why i don't let that external factor really push and tell me what is successful and what isn't successful because you know when that changes or that those circumstances change then what then like, or is it all of a sudden you're not successful? Like, is the, is the 2023 level of success a G-Wagon? I'll get a G-Wagon, but by 2024, maybe it's a Tesla, maybe it's something else, right? And then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm no longer successful, you know, yeah. like. I think it's it's definitely like a bit of a conflict that you have. And I'm wondering if you guys had that like internal conflict of taking that leap of faith and doing something and going out on your own and just sticking with that path that you that's always been like I guess preordained or like you know because I guess in Asian culture we are conditioned to have this sense of filial piety or really like you you live for your parents you really need to respect them you really and of course respect we still do but there's this real big emphasis on you have to you kind of owe I guess your life to them in a sense because well they've sacrificed so much for you and that that's that common thing where you kind of feel a sense of guilt by doing something on your own and I'm wondering if you've you guys have ever experienced that you kind of said you've read read a book and it spoke to you but was there ever a moment where you were umming and ahhing or did you just were you just like yeah let's go yeah like the entire I think the entire two years um of sneaker laundry three years of sneaker laundry after I graduated like mum would be like you know, have you found a job yet? Have you found a job yet? And then, yeah, like, you know, like we said on the morning show, like I would say like, you know, I'm still looking, mm. you know, like, and, and we'd get all this like press, newspaper, Harold Sun, The Age would write about us and, and my, 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 you know, you know, they would, people would talk about it in front of my mom and my mom would, you know, they'd say like, oh, you should be so proud of your son. Like we saw him on the news the other day. He's doing such great things. And my mom would be like, yeah, but they're still not, they're still not giving him a job. <laughs> Actually, you know, they're like that. He's, he's still struggling, like yeah. you know, like and and she'd call me. And I remember these drives home, and she'd call me like, "Have you found a job yet? Mm. Are you still looking?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's dry out here, man. It's it's hard <laughs> to get a job. Like they're just not hiring, you know, like you know, like and 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 that was like some level of guilt, yeah. but like it quickly went away. I think just for the same reason, right? Like knowing that, knowing that this is your life, and and you have to live it for you. Um, 
really just sets the benchmark knowing that, hey, it, it really is on your parents to accept that this is your life. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like, don't, you know, but I think the understanding comes from they were raised a certain way. So I think when you have some understanding of like how they were raised, they didn't have the luxury of like career choices, right? You take the first job that pays you enough so you can put a down payment on a house to have the security around your foot. But I mean, man, look look at what we went through with COVID. You ain't going broke. Like, you know what I mean? You're fine. Like, you know, so the way I see it, it's just like you, you really do have to live your life for you. And you can't let that sort of influence you. But that being said, like I'm not going to go to my parents and say, fuck you, this is my life. There's still some level of respect there and like understanding that they'll take time to grasp that. Yeah. Yeah. So on my end, slightly different. Um, I pretty much grew up by myself my whole life mm-hmm. since I was six, <laughs> being thrown into that boarding school. <laughs> so thank you, Eugene. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, that made me less influenced by my parents a lot. So I've been independent like really early on and I kind of knew that when I'm in shit trouble they won't be there and I kind of learned that lesson (laughs) the hard way (laughs) that I just have to look out for myself I have to plan for myself I have to to just do whatever makes me safe makes me comfortable doing and I guess traditional careers were never never an option for you never a real option for me I guess because for me I guess coming from my childhood like even looking at um, let's say traditional workplaces that looks like abusive and bullying and you know there's all that hierarchy in there that reminds me of some sort of trauma <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'm also very rebellious in a way that since since a kid that I just never wanted to do something that everyone else is doing and because I have a similar situation like you I had siblings like older siblings that are super high achievers and I just knew that I could never achieve what they've done and I'm like I'll just probably just do something else and you know doing being a freelancer being in creative industry and starting my own business are just different ways of surviving different ways of living my life I guess how do you guys feel is it this is a free therapy session <laughs> yeah Asian, Asian therapy uh, yeah. are we still being good guys yeah yeah it's uh vibe check vibe check was that I, too depressing no I, it's funny because I went down this journey like probably during COVID where I had like a mini existential crisis yeah. like am I doing the right thing is it not and every day it was a new problem like it's easy just to work for someone I hope you enjoyed listening to Nathan and Eugene's childhood trauma and enjoyed listening to us bond over that. Now tune in next week as we deep dive into the ins and outs of their businesses. So that's the sneaker laundry and pair. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, remember to like, subscribe, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. We're also on social media. You can find us on TikTok and on Instagram, as well as YouTube, where you can find more video content. Uh, Spread the love, hope you enjoy, and sending love and good vibes. Bye-bye.